And welcome back to Glitter Budget with your hosts, Anjanette and Jess. And in today's episode, we are discussing the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is the last movie in our series of movies that are highlighting issues of uh, mental health awareness and addiction and recovery. Because mm-hmm. we couldn't math and there are five Wednesdays yes. in this month of September. So you guys get an extra episode. Yes. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> sorry, I coughed right into the microphone. My apologies. <laughs> One flew, one flew over the cuckoo's nest is directed by Milos Forman, mm-hmm. and it stars Jack Nicholson, Christopher Lloyd, um, Louise Fletcher, Uh-oh. Danny DeVito. Oh my God! Who Wormtail? The guy who played Wormtail. Why can't I remember his name? Anyway, we'll get to his name after we go from some for some facts from the movie from the year the movie came out, nineteen seventy five. Yes. Oh, my God. So, um, there, there's a lot of, like, a lot of shit happened in 75. Um, Charlie Chapman was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II. Charlie Chaplin? Ch- Chapman. Chaplin. Silent act? Silent movie guy? Yeah. Okay. You just say a name again so it's said correctly. Charlie Chaplin? Thank you. Yes. That's what I thought. All right. Anyway, he was knighted. All right. <laughs> Christ. Um, <laughs> Margaret Thatcher was voted in um, Prime Minister, mm-hmm. which was the first female to ever hold any type of office um, in the British government. Yes. So, and then our favorite Rocky Horror Picture, Picture Show. Show. It debuted on Broadway. Broadway <laughs> debut. <clears throat> I can't wait to do that one. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, though, was an adaptation by the book that was written by... Ken Kesey. Um, shortly after like the book was released, Kirk Douglas loved the book so much, he like immediately bought the rights to it um, and actually took it on to theater, mm-hmm. which he played um, Jack Nicholson's... What, what Jack Nicholson would eventually play was Mc, McMurphy. McMurphy. Which I thought that was right, and then I questioned myself. <laughs> um... He played McMurphy. I think it also starred on the, the theater aspect of it. Uh, Gene Wilder. Played Billy Bibbit. Mm, and then I don't remember who else. They they mentioned one other person in like one of the bigger roles. Um, I don't know if it was someone that played Chief or if it was like um, another bigger role. But they they mentioned a third person who also starred in the, uh, the stage adaptation of it. Yeah. That ran for a few years in the 60s. And uh, Kirk Douglas had intended to, you know bring it to film um and again like continue to star in it but by the time it was made and somebody had like picked it up he he was too old to play it so he actually handed the rights over to his son michael, michael douglas. douglas who co-produced the film mm-hmm. oh. and then the uh the screenplay was written uh by lawrence haubin don't know if that's how you pronounce it and Bo goldman and actually the stage version was um adapted by dale wasserman yes so, uh, it was, this is the, my first time watching this movie. I've never, I'd never saw it before, so I didn't know anything that, I only knew that Jack Nicholson was in it. Huh. So, it was, uh, my first go through, I was like, alright, it's pretty good. Still don't quite understand the, the hype, but I guess when it came out, it was like, I, not many movies have been done 
quite like that. No. And uh, the subject matter was semi-unique for the time, I would think. Right? Yeah. I, I would think so. I, you know, I think it also... Um, I've seen it a few times. <clears throat> I don't know. I think it... Well, so to backtrack a little bit, the author had written the book based off of his experiences working at um, a veteran's hospital. And originally in the book, it was a point of view from the chief. Yes. So he was pissed when they did in the movies that it did not go down that way. Yeah, that it wasn't from his point of view. It was kind of mainly focused on Randall McMurphy, Jack Nicholson's character. Yeah. So he was he refused to watch the film. And then, like, a few years after the film came out, it was, like, airing on TV. And he did, <laughs> the author did an interview. It was just like, hey, I was sitting down, like, for the night flicking through the channels and I was like oh this movie looks interesting then when he realized what it was he was like fuck this change yeah, the like, channel it's like I'm not watching it um but I talk about pettiness right like. <laughs> I don't know I mean I guess like if you're really really proud of your work um you know and, and I'm sure like for him like it just that mm-hmm. held a huge piece of the importance of it and then yeah. you change it I guess part like it also is a lesson unfortunately something that he learned after the fact but a lesson in what contract or your agreement when you sell the rights to your property? Yes. Um, so he sold the rights for, I think, $20,000. That's it? Yeah. Wow. I believe it. It was, it's like a measly sum of what it eventually went on to make, um, which Jack Nicholson, he took um, a very small salary from the, like, from the film itself because he said that he would take uh, a portion of the profits that it made, <laughs> yeah. which ended up being quite a good deal for him because it made millions of dollars and he took like so that was an exchange for that because it was actually quite an expensive film to make and it took a long time to make well they had like they had fit like so just the way that they filmed it the the content and all that was like kind of unheard of back then so i i just think it kind of highlights again like how shitty the mental health treatment was back then right so there really wasn't treatment like, you had these guys on this unit that was actually, like, you typically wouldn't nowadays see a unit like that. Because they had some people in there that were, like, catatonic, nonverbal, just really, like, just not highly functioning at all. Yeah. And the guys in the unit who were, who were you know, very much functioning and voluntarily there, some of them probably didn't even really need to be there based on the way that our mental health system is structured today. Yeah. So you would never see people together in a unit like that. Yeah, like they had, I think she said there were 18 people in that ward, mm-hmm. and then nine of nine of which were actually part of the group therapy because everyone else group therapy. Well, yeah, <laughs> it was kind. Of, it was a really weirdly structured <laughs> therapy. I was like, I don't, I don't like this at all. <laughs> it was a therapy that was like run by the head nurse, Nurse Ratchet. Um, so there really was no. It was basically just you got your medication, you did this group therapy. And then that was it. Like, you never see them really meeting with the doctor frequently. There's no actual, like, therapist coming in one-on-one. And then they kind of just had this weird routine that you really weren't getting much out of it. They would take them outside to get, like, outdoor time and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but it was just, I think it kind of highlights that. It kind of highlights, like, the overpower that, that she had as a nurse. Mm-hmm. And then kind of what, like, what freedom really means. You yeah. know? Because, like, Jack Nicholson's character is on um, a work farm in jail so his idea was to basically fake crazy thinking that he would just have it super easy in this hospital 
And, you know, when he first meets the doctor, the doctor's flat out just like, listen, they think you're full of shit. We kind of think you're full of shit. But we got to do our due diligence and, like, evaluate you or whatever. Um, so, but he's thinking, too, that, like, at one point he says to, like, one of the orderlies, like, I got, like, 68 days. Was it matter? And he starts laughing. He's like, do you still not understand where you are? Yeah. Like, you're here until we say you can leave. Yeah. And that that is how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, but so I think it like, the look on his face of, like, reality sinking in of, like, wait, what now? Uh-huh. And uh, the it it was just he did not realize that everyone there were very few people that were actually committed there. He was one of them, yeah. um, and that ever, most of the other people in the ward ex- were there voluntarily. Right, and they just they become so accustomed to that kind of structure mm-hmm. and predictability and. I that they just didn't want to leave. They're just like, I'm not ready to go. Yeah. You know, but they were there. I mean, back in that day, like you could stay. It wasn't uncommon for you to stay for months at a time, even over a year. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of them had been there for like in a very extensive amount of time. Um, and again, like most of them probably didn't even need to be there. Yeah. Or be there that long at least. So I think that was kind of like just this this weird thing of like again, like what what does freedom mean to you and like where's that comfort and where is that kind of support where you're getting it from and i i don't know it's just kind of like this weird contrast of like the chief you know when he first meets the chief he's like oh my god boy like you're as big as a mountain and everyone thought that he was like deaf and dumb Mm -hmm. when he wasn't but he obviously like felt like such a small person with no self-esteem like he couldn't do anything yeah i think he, he was one of the people committed there he wasn't there voluntarily was he i'm pretty sure that they said that um that he was one of the... They never really say why he was there, though. No, but when Nurse Ratchet was saying... She was listing off the people that were there yeah. that were actually committed, and it was, a f- like, a few people compared to the amount of people in the ward. There was, like, three or four. Yeah. That. It was, like, the the one guy in group with them... I forget his freaking name. It was Randall, Randall McMurphy yeah. and Chief and, like, maybe one other. But... um. <clears throat> You don't know necessarily why he's in there. You don't even, like, I guess the reason that McMurphy was in jail in the first place was statutory rape. Yeah. Which that was the super duper creepiest part of the movie because, like, like, the first five minutes or whatever, he's, uh, McMurphy's talking to the doctor who is played by an actual doctor in real life, um, Dean Brooks, uh, who. Sino went on to diagnose one of the actors in the movie uh, he played Harding, diagnosed him with leukemia that he ended up, he's like, I think you're good. you've got 18 months. And sure enough, 18 months later, he did die of leukemia. Hmm. So that's sad, but also kind of interesting. <laughs> so um, the doctor is saying why he was in jail in the first place. And he's a 38-year-old man who had sex with a 15-year-old and just the shit that he was saying oh, in like yeah. <clears throat> like to almost be like well any man would do it given the circumstance and I'm like oh god Maybe I don't want to continue watching this movie you guys tell his character is just basically just like your shitty human being who, you know, they had mentioned that he had like five or six assault charges. Mm-hmm. And he basically says, he was just like, I like to drink, fight and fuck. Like that's, that's just it. And gamble, had like a huge gambling problem. But, you know, he goes in there and it's just like, 
you know, all these people basically when in his mind, like you have all this freedom to be able to live your life the way that you want. And you're allowing this person to control every aspect of your life and not actually build you up as a person so you can take care of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, on the outside. But basically just allowing this person to control everything, kind of keep pushing you down so you're under their thumb and you can't leave yeah. and explore yourself as a person, explore the world, how you fit into it. And again, just grow. It wasn't structured to be like that at all. And Nurse Ratchet really had no interest of doing that. Yeah, not 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 from what we saw. And it was, um, it was, I, I there was like a, a contention between uh, Jack Nicholson and the director, Milos Foreman, where it was like a huge falling out between the two of them. Jack Nicholson thought it would be better if the men in the ward were all kind of complacent with the way things were going so that it was a bigger upset in general when he came on, like when he came in mm-hmm. and like kind of started like a little uprising. Yeah. And the director wanted it to be like, they already are kind of like crazy and going against the grain and all this kind of the other thing and not listening to the rules, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, well, then it makes no sense to throw him in. Yeah. There. yeah. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the catalyst for the whole movie like for the whole plot you know there's no there is no plot if they're already crazy i can crazy acting up and i come in there's there's no impact like yeah especially the way that it ended ended like you there's gonna be literally no impact really at all yeah and uh so i i i agree with uh jack i would i would have been on jack nicholson's side but that's because of the fallout that's why he wasn't in the dvd extras yeah and they would only put on a front for like press stuff. Yeah. I guess there was like a rumor like why they were arguing that that Jack Nicholson had it was like this ridiculous rumor where first it was like oh he stopped filming for like two months when they were like really it was like two weeks and it was because he went to go get hair plugs and they were like <laughs> it's definitely not because he got hair plugs. Yeah like you look at his fucking hair and you're like where are the if they are if they are plugs they're the worst plugs ever. <laughs> so but it was that it was actually because of that yeah that falling out. Um, yeah. But he was actually getting the other actors to rehearse. The way that he wanted it. The way it, that right? he yeah. wanted it, not the way that the director wanted it. So it was like a. But like, obviously, the other actors agreed, you know? Well, again, yeah, it makes it made sense. Like, yeah, like if you are, I don't know, I feel like that's like. <laughs> if you call yourself a director and you make that shitty of a call, like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. And he was, um, I think it was Kirk Douglas who wanted him to be the director. Yeah, they were actually, um, Kirk Douglas had the book and told me, like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna send you this book. But I guess he sent it from Czechoslovakia, or was it the Czech Republic? It was Czech- Czechoslovakia that was still under communist regime, so yeah. he never got the book. He never got the book, but there was a huge misunderstanding because Milos was mad that Kirk Douglas didn't send him the book. And then Kirk was mad because Milos didn't say, hey, I got your book. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until, like, years later that they realized what the hell went on. And um, it was like, it seemed like a shit show trying to get this movie made. So there was yeah. between that and then like the the author of the book being pissed that they did it the way they did it, saying that they kind of like went back on an agreement on he, how they were going to present the film. Right. And they eventually ended up set, settling for, I think, 2.5% of the gross profits. Mm. But... um the author originally wanted a lot more plus $800,000 for damages. Wow. Or something. It's like, dude, 
Again, like know. you said, though, I mean, when you sign your rights over to like your your material, like unfortunately, you really have no rights to it anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, like if you didn't write up a contract on exactly what you still like, you don't have creative rights to it after. Like if you literally sign all the rights over, like, yeah. and you didn't put some kind of loophole in there for yourself. You can't really complain about it. Yeah. Like, it's unfortunately, it's, it's un- unfortunate, but what can you do? <laughs> it blew my mind that they, and again, like, just to show that the science of the times back then, because this would never fucking happen now, um, they actually filmed it in an active hospital. Yeah. So, like, when you said earlier that the doctor was, like, an actual, he was, he was the doctor of the hospital. Yeah. So, and they had... Like, they didn't, like, close down a ward just, just for filming, just to bring in, like, the actors and stuff like that. Like, it was an active ward that was still being used. So, like, some of the patients that are there you think are extras aren't. Like, they're they are actually patients. Pa- patients. <laughs> um, which I was like, what now? What would you, huh? Like, huh? Why would you do that? And not only that, but they all, all the actors stayed in the hospital. Yeah. Like, Which broke some of them. Yes. Like, between filming for so long and not being able to be with his wife, um, Danny DeVito ended up developing an imaginary friend that he would talk to. And he went to the doctor and was like, hey, is this, am I going to be okay? Yeah. <laughs> and the doctor's like, as long as you know that he's not real, yeah, you're good. <laughs> he's like, cool. Unfortunately... Sidney Lassick, the <laughs> actor who played Cheswick, did not fare so well because a lot of the actors stayed in character um, between takes. Um, so when the cameras were stop, would stop rolling, they stayed in character. And Sidney Lassick kind of went over the deep end and they actually had to like take him off set a couple times to be like, dude, you got to settle the fuck down. Yeah. The same work comes with, like, I think some of the, the crew, like, went to the doctor as well to be like, hey, like, we're really concerned. You know, their response was just like, yeah, we got are. medication. Take care of that. I'm like, wait, what? Like, we we are leaving here when we're done filming. When the film's over, we're, we're going home. Yeah. <laughs> no, we have treatments available. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was something, too, like, it's just going back to like the type of treatment that was like portrayed there was again, like not to really get to the root of your issue and to help you work through that. So you can again, leave and just be on your own and manage that on the outside. Um, It was, it was so like punitive. So they had like, um, I don't remember what the fight was over, but when like McMurphy and chief, I think and Cheswick, right. Got into like a, like a physical altercation with an orderly. Because that was when they got the shock therapy. Oh, yes. Okay, so they're in group therapy. Cheswick is um, freaking out because he he wants his cigarettes. cigarettes, Yeah. And they were rationing their cigarettes because McMurphy had won all of it gambling. (laughs) He won all their cigarettes, all their money. And so Nurse Ratchet took it away. And he's upset and he's getting like more and more agitated. Which typically wasn't like him. No. Like, he would get agitated and be like, you know, just, just like, shut it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he kept escalating. He kept getting, like, higher. Like, more and more, like, he was getting louder, more physically, like, agitated. And it was just, like, it got to a point where it was 
boiling over and they started, they were taking him away. And then there was a fighting. Nicholson, like he, Jack Nicholson's character just busted through the nurse's station, grabbed a pack of cigarettes at the carton. And just at that point, it was just all hell broke loose. So instead of de-escalating and like processing what happened and moving forward, they all just got ECT. Because apparently that's just what you go to. That's your calm down juice. I was just mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I don't know if Cheswick had gotten it before and that's why he was afraid. Or if he was just afraid because his, his head had never happened before. And he didn't know what was going to happen. My guess is that he knew because they didn't tell them when they went down there on that different wing what they yeah. were doing. Mm-hmm. So my guess is that he already had it before, and that's why he was freaking out, because it wasn't like, oh, I'll sit down, like, this is what therapy we're going to do. Like, no, they just fucking took you in this room with, like, five other people to help hold you down, and that was it. Like, there was yeah. no explanation. And that was the, uh, that was the scene where you find out that Chief does talk, <laughs> and he can hear, so he was just playing deaf and dumb the entire time. Right. And, uh... It was like it was just that huge. Like, I was kind of laughing as you were like, ah, juicy fruit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what gets you, fucking gums whose flavor lasts five seconds. It's so good though. That five seconds. It is good. <laughs> juicy fruit. I think you can, you would start to see that like the more that McMurphy um keeps talking to Chief and like keeps trying to like get him to interact, mm-hmm. you know, and be part of something. And he starts to kind of smile a little bit more and he actually does start to like play the basketball a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, he starts to like open up and realize that he's, you know, worth something. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was nice. Yeah. Just seeing him like come out of his shell and he's like this big towering guy. And I was, um, they actually were at a loss to try to find, and uh like a native american of his stature because yeah. he was supposed to be this big honking guy um based off of his description in the book and they were like they could not find anyone until they uh will sampson who plays chief until they found him and they're like dude yes was he's like a, six seven yeah he's, he's freaking he's a mountain yeah was that a one because i know like the when they actually when they break out and they go charter fishing like that was the guy was just like, hey, fuck you doing on this boat? Like, he was just the guy who just owned that company. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was either him or it was a local who recommended the actor who played Chief. Like, he lived there. Like, he was a native of that area. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty cool that they did use, like, people of the town mm-hmm. stuff. But I just, I still mind boggled that they filmed in an active hospital with an active wing. Like, yeah. And I think it's interesting because not a lot of movies are shot this way. It was actually shot sequentially, except for the boat scene. They shot that last, and everyone but Jack Nicholson got seasick. Yeah. Uh, I want to say it's because they were going around in circles. It was a cho- it was choppy day too. Yeah, like it was the waters were not calm at all. Yeah, then oh the where he the the one character is like hooking the fish and he's playing with the eyeball. I, know. I was like. Oh, puts, puts it back on for him. <laughs> oh God! Oh my God! It was so, so gross. I was like, I, why am I watching this movie? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It was just so upsetting. Like, uh, completely understandable 
the hospital's reaction because like they broke out. Yes. You know, and so it's just like you have no idea like where they're at, what they're doing, like if they're going to be able to handle this, some of them. Mm-hmm. So completely understandable, but like, you know, they all experienced something that they never had to do and just like some sort of normalcy. And they were also proud of themselves, like the fish that they caught and, you yeah, know. Some of the fish were almost as big as they were. Right? And then they were all just like, so obviously reprimanded again, like understandably, but at the same time, it was just frustrating because I'm like, just. You let them be human beings and not just like another number where you just give them meds and sit them down. Yeah. Like they they need that semblance of normalcy. Like in the one of the group therapy uh, sessions, I believe it's Cheswick. Cheswick is act, asking um, Nurse Ratchet like why she keeps pressing Billy to talk about. Yeah. Um, essentially why he's in there. I think that's what sets him off too about the cigarettes and everything else. Yeah. And uh the nurse, uh, like, she goes around asking other people to, like, kind of put in their two cents about whoever is talking about their issues. And Cheswick is concerned, like, why do you keep pressing when anyone doesn't want to talk about it? He's like, well, that's the point of therapy. And another patient is like, well, why do you, why do you lock the dorms after we wake up in the morning? I'm like, well, because if we don't lock them, you're just going to go back to sleep right after breakfast. And a part of socializing with other people is, like, it helps. It's therapeutic. And I think Christopher Lloyd's character is, like, Mm -hmm. so it's not okay to want to be alone. Yeah. And that's when things start, I think, escalating. Because they actually start to think for themselves and question their treatment and want to know, like, why, like, what's the therapeutic purpose of this? Like, what other options do I have? And, you know, again, like, instead of just kind of droning along and not questioning anything, like, actually start to be like, hey, is this beneficial? Yeah. Like, you know, it is natural to want to be alone. Like, that is okay from time to time. Yes. And, yes, it is also good to interact with other people and socialize. But that's not the only part of therapy. Right. Like, and it's also doesn't always have to be the part of therapy that you share with a whole group of people sometimes like one-on-one is very beneficial as well uh because talking in a group can be hugely daunting especially when you have someone like billy's character he's uh he has a stutter and he's a very meek individual and nurse ratchet knows his weaknesses which knows his his mom, like the family personally, yes, so exploits that pretty hard. Yes, which I think that's that was the uh, the tipping point for I think both of us. Yeah, because uh, I, like I said before, I'd never seen this movie, so I wasn't sure why so many people had this hatred of Nurse Ratch. I'm like, yeah, she's not like lovable, <laughs> but you can see sometimes that there are times when she had good intentions. And she kind of has to be this stern character when you are a female in this kind of position. Like, you you do have to be very stern because the people might not want to take orders from you, especially men, because back then, what, this was supposed to be in the 60s or 70s? The book was written in the early 60s, but I think that's where... Um where it's it's kind of off, as, and a lot of people have said, like, she was just drunk with power because she was given way more power than would typically be given. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, I mean, the fact that she was even in with the other doctors conversating, and now she wasn't at the table. They made her sit off to the side. But the fact that she was even, even in the room 
yeah. discussing if McMurphy was actually crazy and they were like, he's dangerous in a criminal type aspect, but he's not, he shouldn't be here. Yeah. He's definitely just milking it. Like he should not be here. She knew it. Yeah. She absolutely knew it. And she was just like, um, well, I don't think we should pass our problem off to somebody else. Yes. We can help him. It's like, but help for what though? What does he need help with if he shouldn't be here? Yes. I think she just wanted to put him in his place. Yeah. And uh, that was in the, near the end of the film. There's like there's this big party scene which um, they wanted to. They were excited to film for like all of the cast and crew to kind of be like, "Hey, everyone needs a break from acting crazy." Yeah. So let's do the party scene, and it was supposed to be when uh, McMurphy and Chief would break out and finally escape like they've been planning to and then everyone passes out after they were kind of like egging on billy to sleep with mcmurphy's girlfriend yeah he even says cause like it was very obvious one of billy's issues is like attachment yes so like getting infatuated very quickly and falling in love without like literally just meeting somebody for a couple minutes mm-hmm. you know and that's where his um you know, basically, like, neurosis and depression comes from an attempted suicide, where if he doesn't get that love right away and doesn't understand why, you know, kind of sends him over the edge. So it was very obvious that he liked candy, like, when they were on the fishing trip, and then when she comes back in, and, you know, they slow had the Slow dancing. Hmm? They were so, slow dancing. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously, McMurphy definitely has, like, an attachment to the patients there. Like, he's grown mm-hmm. with them. He's, you know, he likes them. Yeah. So they were about to leave. They had the window open. They were saying their goodbyes. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, kind of off to the side looking, like, very sad. And yeah. he was just like, come with me. Yeah. Like, you don't, deserve, like, why are you even in here? Like, come with me. Like, what, you should be, like, bird dog and women and, like, basically just having sex all the time. Like, you're yeah. a good-looking kid. You're young. And he even said he was just like, you know, I'm just not ready. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't understand. I'm just not ready to leave. He's like, you know, I'll give you my address. And he, like, looked that kind of you know, got him excited and kind of like, okay, like, you know, when I am ready to leave, like, we'll, we'll go meet up. And yeah. it, you know, you could kind of tell he wanted to do something nice for him. Yeah. And obviously he liked candy. He probably never had sexual relations with a girl. So he talked to Candy, which is creepy too, but talked candy into having sex with them. And Billy at least had the boundaries to be like, but like, aren't you guys a dating? Yeah. Like you're going to marry her. Right. And He's like, no, we're just friends. Yeah. Who fuck. Like, so he was, uh, gave him his blessings, put them in a room. They're fucking. And then there's like this weird, awkward scene where it's just Jack Nicholson's face. Like, I think thinking about things. Yeah. And it's probably up, up to the audience's interpretation of what's going on through his mind. But then everyone passes out and the place is trashed. Oh, yeah. Um, Nurse Ratchet and the other orderlies come in and she just starts tearing people up. She's like, all right, get them all up. See who's missing. They find that they find everyone but Billy. So she's questioning people like, hey, did Billy escape? And no one's answering. So they're searching all the rooms. They find Billy in with Candy. And he comes out and he's just like, you know, I'm not. I'm not sorry. I'm, I'm not sorry for what I did. And she's like, well, what would your mother think? And then she's essentially threatening to tell his mom 
and he starts freaking out and they take him away and then he ends up killing himself yeah so that's when you really start hating nurse ratchet because it wasn't necessary yeah she she held that over him knew the kind the kind of effect it would have on him and didn't I don't think it quite hit her, the ramifications of her actions when she saw him dead. And then McMurphy goes and tries to strangle her. Because he knew. He knew that, like, she did it to be spiteful. She did it to as a dig. And she did it to, you know, as a, you should be ashamed. and like, bad, bad person. You did bad. You know, like, let me just really twist the knife in here and just make you feel super guilty for it. So she absolutely knew what she was doing. Oh, yeah. Thousand percent. And you know, so, and the fact that, like, obviously, McMurphy had this affection for him, for this young kid, and for it to turn out that way, because he can't handle that kind of rejection, or, you know, making his mom, who, obviously, he's probably unhealthily close to, upset, yeah, in any kind of way, like, that just, that was why he mm-hmm. ended up in the hospital for, like, base pro- what I'm going to assume was probably stalking a neighbor girl, yeah, because he thought that they were, they had something. Yes. That's what it kind of, yeah. Yeah. So he, McMurphy ends up, because of his actions towards Nurse Ratchet, he ends up getting lobotomized. Yep. And unfortunately, this is when the chief finally feels as big as the mountain and is ready to leave. But he wouldn't leave without McMurphy. Yeah. You know. They had planned on leaving together like that was their whole big thing. So, they essentially do escape together. But McMurphy, being lobotomized, could not physically escape, so he gets smothered. Yeah, chief, poor guy put him, he's like, I can't leave you like this, and put him out of his misery. Yeah, that was depressing. Yeah. But, he tore up that sink thing, faucet thingy. Marble sink, Jesus. Yeah, I can only imagine. I would... Looking at it hurts my back trying to think I know, right? lifting it. <laughs> I love how Jack Nicholson actually tried to like lift it for that scene. Yeah. I'm like, dude, why are you trying to hurt yourself? I don't know. Some people just they want to get hurt. <laughs> I it's what I don't know. It's like you don't need to they commit that hard to that scene. Like <laughs> I like though too how uh you know, when Nurse Roger came in and she was trying to, like, get everything back in order because everything, you know, on her unit ran the way that she needed it to. And she had that shit running like a well-oiled machine. And she was perfect that when she asked for her cap back, she looked at it. Mm-hmm. And it was all tattered and, like... And dirty and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and I was kind of like, yeah, like, this is your unit. Look what it ha- look, look what happened to it. Yeah. Like, it was kind of, like, just, I think, a good, like, symbolic way to show she is now tainted and she doesn't have control, obviously. And yeah. Her good name has been tarnished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Brad Dourif is the name of the actor of Billy Bibbit. I remember. I didn't remember I saw it in IMDb credits. <laughs> but he also plays Wormtail in Lord of the Rings. Have you not seen Lord of the Rings? We've been over this several times. God damn it! Like several times. Oh, Jesus fucking <laughs> Wow, I blacked out for a second. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um he's done a lot of character actor type work. Uh-huh. 
Fuck. That's going to be on our list of okay. movies. Just right. so you know. Sure. Sure? I'll watch it. Okay. Jesus, relax. You just sound like you're like, sure. Sure. <laughs> okay. It's going to be on the list. <gasps> Annie Um, This is, this movie is, it's on several different lists of movies you gotta see before you die. Like top it was, five, I think. Um, one of the one of three movies I think to have won like the big five Oscars, mm-hmm. uh, like best movie, best director, best actor, best actress, and I think best screenplay or something like that. I think so, yeah. But it's it's one of three that's one that won all five, and uh, yeah, so it's it's definitely I think a good movie to watch. It is currently on Netflix now um, because of that. Yeah. TV series. So Ryan Murphy, um, who did American Horror Story, and um, I don't know if it's going to continue to be a series or if it was just like a one-off miniseries, but um, this past year released Hollywood. Oh, okay. I think that's what it's called. Um, highly recommend it. Really good. Um, actually ends with like a happy ending. Made me cry. So watch it. But it's, I think, a prequel of... What kind of happy ending? Like an actual happy ending. What kind of happy ending? I mean, there's those kind of happy endings in it, too. Oh, um, okay. But, like, the, oh. Yes. Okay. Yes. Not the, uh, oh. No, an actual, like, oh. Yes, a okay. happy ending. Okay. Um, Which is unlike stuff that he typically does. So, you should watch it. Okay. But I think it's a prequel of how Nurse Ratchet becomes Nurse Ratchet. So, yes. I think it's her enrolling into, like, nursing school and her first job and stuff like that. So, of course, it stars Sarah Paulson, because why wouldn't it? She's in everything he does. <laughs> uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited to. All right. Now that I've finally seen this movie, I can watch it and be like, ah, now I know who she is. Yeah. Because, yes. Um, but yeah, so Netflix, check it out. And this is this will conclude our September series of movies that highlight issues of uh, mental health awareness and addiction and recovery. Yes. So our next batch of movies are all going to be spooky ones Halloween type movies because it's October I'm very excited much excited she's not excited for our first movie that's coming up goddamn movie it's awesome it was to be fair I love scary movies it was very hard for me to choose what four scary movies we'd be doing I could do months of this because Jen hates scary movies she her one pick that I hate it's arachnophobia. Yes. It's like fucking hate spiders. It is one of my so much. favorite movies, and I am so excited. I don't know why. I, I too, have arachnophobia. Not like hers. But um, I, too, don't like spiders, but I do love this movie. So stay tuned for that. That will be coming up. Um, again, like our other movies from this month of September, we will have resources linked in the description box down below, as well as our social media. And uh, we will see you in our October Spooky Movie Fest. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye.